Listen, this is the Hey Listen Games cast. My name is Jeffrey Morse. This is episode 99. We are one away from the big 100th episode of Hey Listen Games cast. We have a lot of fun stuff planned. We'll be talking about that at the end of today's show, so make sure you stick around to hear all the exciting news about next week's episode. My name is Jeffrey Morse. Joining me here today is Nathan Wagner. 99 bottles of book. <laughs> of <Wait>. what? Of... <laughs> Of episodes of on episodes. on the podcast. Okay, okay. So we're looking for oh a, a, a hot YouTube cover of the the ninety nine episodes of podcast on the wall. So hit us up if you are musical and feeling to do that. And uh, join us also is the wonderful Rob Douglas. How's it going, Rob? What's up? Good to be back. And I don't know if we should take this record on the road, guys. I feel like huh, this musical's not going anywhere. <laughs> well. We're glad to have you here, Rob. You you weren't here last week when we talked all about our E3 news. So before we jump into our main segment today, which is sharing 50 more games um, from our top 100 list of all time. Wait, so what, what numbers is this? Is this... Well, we're, we're starting at game number 75 on our list, okay. going all the way down to game number 26, which of course means that the top 25 games of all time will be... Um, featured on next week's episode, episode 100. So that'll be an amazing episode, one of the best episodes ever. Uh, We're going to keep hyping it up throughout the show. It's going to be great. But anyways, Rob, E3, uh, what'd you think? Just real quickly, what was your favorite thing? What was your, you know, anything that disappointed you? Any surprises? Go. All right, so uh, I just pulled out a couple of games that I thought were kind of like the highlight games and giving my hot take. Ready for this? All right. I'm going to do this rapid-fire pace. Uh, <laughs> like Last it. of Us 2 looks super controversial still. Yes. Uh, Death Stranding, I still have absolutely no idea what's happening, and I'm even more <laughs> confused. Uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2 looks really good and looks like it's not going to come out for at least 10 years. <laughs> Ghost of Tsushima looks absolutely freaking gorgeous. And, and I want this game now. <laughs> Skull and Bones actually looks a lot better than I thought like a few months ago, so it's I'm hyped. Uh, Fallout 76, I'm not a fan. I It's the multiplayer, honestly, guys. Wait, Rob's uh, not excited for a multiplayer everyone? game? What? <laughs> I hate people. I am an anti-people. No, that's not true. I oh, love hey, you're people. Here. You're people. here. With I just don't play with them online. I don't like playing with them. I don't like playing with them online. That's all. That's all. That's go cool. go blow up your own Fallout world. Don't nuke me. <laughs> um, I'm really excited about Mario Party and Smash and Overcooked Two. Looks really Ooh, great. Yeah. And of course, the number one all-time hyped game I'm hyped for is Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which. I'll be honest, it does have a lot of similar connotations and looks and styles and feels to Assassin's Creed Origins. It looks like they kind of took what was good about Origins and cracked it a little bit, made it a little bit more RPG-ish, mm-hmm. and made it better. So this looks like, you know, if you could, Assassin's Creed Origins 2.0. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what happens when you go annual uh, you know, entries into a franchise, right? So. Just... I think it's exactly, funny that exactly. it's set 400 years before Assassin's Creed Origins. And, you know, it takes more than one year to make these games. So the fact that it comes out right after Origins when they must have known they were going to yeah. be setting it we before can Origins is uh, <laughs> kind of interesting. It's just kind of fun. Yeah, that, that's a little concerning, a little interesting. I'm excited about the time period. The Peloponnesian War is, uh, is a fascinating time period. And I'm also very excited 
about two heroes that you get you get to pick whether you want to be a guy or a girl. Yeah. I think that's a huge step in the the male female shepherd Mass Effect yeah, yeah, RPG totally. world. That's reminded me of yeah. too. The the girl looks super fun too. I think she looks more interesting than the guy, which I know in a syndicate That's... like you could play as the brother and sister and I feel like the girl was more interesting. Yeah, I mean it's a lot different than I actually most played it. Yeah, I played as a girl series, a, lot, so. a lot more. Yeah. All right, well very cool. I did play as a girl a lot more, so yeah. Um so we know E3 just happened if you missed uh, a lot of the news in E3, be sure to check out last week's episode. We broke down all of our favorite announcements, lots of games. Um but today we are going to be counting down 50 more games on our top 100 list. As I said, we're going to start things off with game number 76. And this game is a pretty, or excuse me, game number 75. 76 was Wii Sports. We get that last week. Uh, 75 is Banjo-Tooie. So Banjo-Tooie is the sequel to Banjo-Kazooie which came on C4. And what Banjo-Tooie did is it took a lot of the ideas and the concepts in Banjo-Kazooie and it mm-hmm. just made them better. It took what, you know, it didn't have quite the same originality as Banjo-Kazooie, but it still took a lot of the concepts, made some things more fun, changed a few things so that it just kind of tweaked it a little bit. Again, like Assassin's Creed Odyssey 2.0. Better. Yeah. Had some great stuff. Not better than Kazooie necessarily, but still a fun game. Yeah, well, it was all like pretty much the same exact like dev team and composing everything from the first one. So you know, you still had that that same magic there. And then they actually did some really cool stuff with the swap and stop, where like you could literally take your cartridge out of your sixty four and like swap between the two banjo games, and it would like unlock content and do special cool stuff, which has never really yeah. ever been done in a game before. So like they just had some really cool, weird, crazy ideas that yeah, I think made it. Really cool. So Banjo-Tooie is game number 75 on our list. And next on our list is game number 74, SimCity 2000. Thousand, thousand. <laughs> nice, nice echo <laughs> effect there. So SimCity 2000, uh, this game, I believe, was the first one that was on, uh, like, P- it was the first one that I played on PC. There was a Super Nintendo game, but this game kind of really just advanced everything SimCity to the modern age at the time. Uh, had really advanced uh, kind of just town and city building mechanics. But my favorite thing about it is that it had all of these crazy disasters and tornadoes that you could do. <laughs> so you could do... Destroy have, like, the town? Tor- yeah. The only thing I yeah, had that's was built what in I was my town, say. set a tornado to come through. You could like have an alien invasion. So like Wait. aliens would come and start taking your citizens. But so you could spawn the... Yes, you could just like, yeah, turn could. to like, disasters and be like, I want to spawn this thing. <laughs> oh, that sounds that amazing. And stuff like, it's so, like building like a sandcastle, then, you know, like and destroying then, it. Yes, right? like, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I so, just love this because you could take it and you could actually like summon more than one at the same time. So you could have a tornado and a hurricane and Godzilla <laughs> destroying your city and then aliens. It was just bad. It was I, great. You got to love it when a developer just gives you, you know, all these tools to just make an insane and chaotic sandbox. And it's that fun, right? Exactly. And if you, good you choice. know, if you liked good city building games, you could just play it the boring way as well. <laughs> all right. Uh, next up is game number 73. And this is Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. This is uh, for the Game Boy Advance, and it was the first Mario and Luigi series game. And this one, despite being the first, I think is still kind of the best Mario and Luigi game, in my opinion, the best like Mario RPG game um, ever made. And this game was so great because it was really the first Mario game, um, one of the first Mario games that really had a really good sense of humor. 
and didn't take itself seriously. Bowser was like a main character who had all different lines as it was going on. And it was kind of really self-aware and it had really, really solid mechanics that were kind of set up in Paper Mario and like the battle mechanics from Mario RPG, but like it was a lot more smoother and a lot more fun to play and it made it a very accessible RPG that anyone could enjoy. Yeah, and it's it's uh when I think about it, it's like the perfect game for handheld. Like yes. if I'm playing a Mario game, I don't want to play, really play a three D Mario game on my handheld. Mm-hmm. I wanna play something a little bit slower paced and the writing is like you mentioned really great. Yes. They even had like Professor E. Gad like make a cameo appearance as like he'd make you inventions and stuff from Luigi's Mansion. So there's lots of crossover between Mario characters and lots of weird funny stuff. So definitely check that uh gem out if you've never tried it yet um next on our list game number 72 lord of the rings the battle for middle earth 2 this was uh obviously the sequel to battle for middle earth which was basically a um it's a real-time strategy game right so think like age of empires but lord of the rings and uh what this game did so well is it really gave you so much freedom and how you would construct your kingdom so you could play as like you know, the orcs, the goblins, men, elves, um, dwarves, you know, tons of different factions. Uh, you could have multiple factions in the same map. There was all the different locations from the book and from the movies. Um, and what I really loved about this is you could literally just, it was almost kind of like SimCity. You could build like a living city with a wall and you could put like all the different spaces, you know, all the different buildings in any spot you want. And I just remember I made, like remade like, Gondor, like, and just made like this giant thing that covered like the entire map and had its own ecosystem. So like, it was just really cool. And there was like a whole story mode too. So like, there was just a lot to do in this game. So if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, you can definitely yeah. check this one out. And it even had a, uh, I think a lot of characters that were like from the books. Like there was a Tom Bombadil <laughs> that you could summon to destroy people in battle and stuff. So it was it was pretty cool. Was Finally, the people. justice he deserved. <laughs> wow, I'm offended. Uh, this, this one was the one that was on 362, right? Yeah, it was, it was really the yes. first, like, console, really, like, big RTS. So, like, I played it on Xbox 360. PC version was better, obviously. Pretty good controls. But, yeah, controller, it, it worked pretty well, despite being, you know, on a 360 controller in 2006. So, is uh, one of my favorite strategy console games of all time, for sure. Nice. Um, so, moving on. Game number 71, Sonic the Hedgehog. Two, I think we've decided this is kind of definitively the best Sonic game out there. Would you guys agree? <laughs> yep. Uh, yes. I, I played like three Sonic games. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Sonic Two is great because it took you know everything from the first one, but expanded on it, made way more worlds. Um, added the spin dash, which you know has been in every Sonic game since. Lifesaver. Yeah. Added Tails in, which was effectively the best little brother mode in any video game ever. Like, Truth. that was such a great move. I had awesome like 3d like special stages that weren't really in the first one um had one of the best soundtracks i think of any genesis game just so many great songs like chemical plant and stuff um so yes i think sonic 2 was really kind of the high mark for that series and sonic 3 was right in step with i think with sonic 2 but um up until really sonic mania they haven't really recaptured that magic that that sonic 2 had so i feel like sonic 2 also it just had the most satisfaction when you actually finally beat it like getting so close and failing was like the worst feeling ever but when you actually beat it you're just like 
throw the controller down and yeah. just throw your hands up I, in the air rocky style exactly i had a lot of perseverance as a kid like playing games and like you know dying over and over and over but like this was one of the games i rage quit as a kid just like because that metal sonic battle at the end of the game was so hard and then when oh, i finally beat so it hard. then it brought me to like the dr robotnik battle that was even hard i'm like okay i'm done i just beat that hard battle i have to do another mm. hard boss so yeah, definitely, definitely challenging. And I think that was the first game with Super Sonic as well, which was really cool if you got all the Chaos Emeralds. So awesome yep. game, Sonic 2. Moving on, game number 70, GoldenEye 007. So this one was just so iconic because, you know, in our modern day, movie tie-in games are always horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and this was a movie tie-in game that was incredibly fun, incredibly satisfying like it wasn't necessarily the greatest art style like if you go back and look at it it's it's aged not super well but the thing about it was it's still so fun to play with you know get a group of people together throw in an x uh n64 and get four player multiplayer going and tell everybody no odd job and no odd job <laughs> it's just it was one Nathan and also that, that was job. the big thing was as far as first person shooters it is one of the original multiplayer modes that worked really well and the thing about it that impressed me was there were so many different custom like this was the first game i remember where you could really customize how you wanted to play so there was like paintball mode and big head mode and all these yep. different modes that you could customize mm-hmm. what exact game style yeah. you wanted to play yeah and so many characters and uh, this game just deserves a spot in the list just because this was the game that we all realized we loved playing games where we can shoot each other like how many games come out every year <laughs> that we're shooting each other, right? This was the first time where, you know, we realized how much fun that could be to, to fight with your friends. So moving on, game number 69, another excellent shooter, uh, Doom. Uh, now this is the 2016 Doom game, not the original Doom. Uh, although the original Doom was kind of like Goldeneye. It was very inspirational for a lot of early shooters. But um, yeah, Doom 2016, I think is still one of the best, like single player shooter experiences out there. Like this game is absolutely amazing the details they put in there the progression and collectibles that they put in the map is just the right amount that keeps you invested in exploring the the smaller contained areas and the levels the music is just like this awesome heavy metal mix that just goes perfectly with the game like that that soundtrack like i'm not really super into like metal music or anything but like it's feels just like what a realization of what the original doom was back in you know the early 90s the, the music the monsters everything seen it in full, you know, 4K glory with how great it looks. Like, it's, it just is a really awesome, like, you know, I guess kind of remake and reimagining of the original Doom. Yeah. And it, and it took it, a, go ahead. It Rob. took a lot of what the original Doom had, you know, the, the fun combat, the fun level design, everything, and made it better, bigger, and the combat is so satisfying. Yeah. The, the for glory kills are like the best part of this game. Yes. You can, at a certain amount of damage, you go up to an enemy and you melee them. It's every enemy in the game, including bosses. And you just do these awesome like decapitation that kills. That yeah. And it held points. true to the original Doom vision, which made you play super aggressive. Yes. At a time when every other shooter that was coming out was like, no, just shoot, go behind cover, regain, regen your health. This game made you continue to fight to get more health and to, yep. to keep playing. Yep. Great game. Uh, moving on. 68 god of war this is 2018 again the brand new god of war game not <laughs> another reimagining exactly um this game what can i say about this game this game is <laughs> fresh on your mind fresh on my mind it is like the perfect like hybrid of gameplay that feels super good to play fun to play the art and environments are absolutely beautiful yeah and the story and pacing of the game is perfect like 
you play through the whole game, there's always an interesting narrative that is drawing you ahead and saying, hey, come play the next story mission, but then the side quests never feel like there's too many of them. Like, I've beaten almost all of the side quests in this game, and I don't usually do that, and that's because there's an amount where you feel like you can achieve it, and it's still adding story and depth to the mm-hmm. characters. Um, and it's, like, the perfect length. Like, right when I started to get to the point where I was like, okay, I'm feeling a little bit tired of this game. I'm ready to move on to something else. I've finished the game, and um finish the story and then after after you beat it if you want to go back there's a lot of uh great challenges like the valkyries are all really hard to beat and so there's that as well yeah and i think it's so cool because the original god of war games were you know good to decent but like none of those games really deserved a spot in our top 100 list but like this game took it and just turned it into this beautiful polished product that you know any and every gamer should totally um play because it's a such an amazing experience so Yeah. yeah Very cool. Uh, moving on, game number sixty-seven: The Legend of Zelda: Majora's Mask. Woo! All right. <laughs> Nathan's so, been waiting for this one. <laughs> this game took the Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time, almost all the assets from it, took it, and completely flipped what you did in Ocarina of Time on its head. Instead of having this huge world to explore, where you go back several times, instead it puts you in a little bit of a smaller world that's a little more focused. And it tasks you with all of these different quests. Um, this was the first game that I really enjoyed side quests in because each side quest I felt like I was really getting rewarded. There wasn't too many. All, um, and then you could also play as these full, uh, three different characters that you had never played as before, but you had seen um, in different Zelda games. And so giving those abilities and allowing you to access different areas of map of the map with each of those unlocks was really cool. And then the way the game paid off if you completed and got every mask at the end of the game, it just basically made you uh, Link God. OP, right? Yeah, Fierce TD <laughs> Mask, Link God. Super, just such a fun payoff. I love this game. It flipped, it did everything that Ocarina of Time did in like, and surprised everyone in a different fashion. So. Yeah. And it was just a fun game because it had super fun puzzles. It had super fun gameplay story-wise. It was very interesting. It just kept a lot of what made Ocarina of Time so good and just kind of capitalized on that, just bought into that yeah, same well, formula. It, it's great because it's not Ocarina of Time 2. You know? yeah. it, it did yeah. use a lot of assets and you know things like that, but it's a totally its own different game, very different. It's very different than any game it's even very in divisive. Zelda. Yeah, it's very divisive. Like Some people really don't like it or don't think it... Um, it deserves a place on this list. So Yeah, so very different, but uh, overall, good game. Moving on, game number six. 66. Or excuse me, thank you. <laughs> We're not jumping up to the, <laughs> the top ten yet. Uh, game number 66, The Wolf Among Us. This is the uh, Telltale game about, um, uh, it's called Fable Town, correct, Rob? <laughs> yeah, it's Fable Town because it's based off of the 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 comic book series fables yeah so it's based off of a comic called fable where you play as sheriff bigby who's basically the big bad wolf there's other characters like snow white i think humpty dumpty's in there somewhere and basically you're basically a sheriff going around solving murders and crimes unraveling a conspiracy theory and it's a very dark and gritty world but like you also have like these aesop fable you know these fairy tale characters mother goose characters and so it kind of blends those two very different kind of worlds of you know like a dark csi type world with a hey fairy tales and it does a really good job and pulls off a very interesting narrative i think this may be like one of my favorite 
you know, just singular story experiences in video games. So it was really cool. And I'm excited that we're finally getting the season two <laughs> coming out next year. So <laughs> the, the fun thing about this one was that it came out right after walking dead season mm-hmm. one. And so, or kind of like right near the end of season one, it started coming out and it was, it just capitalized a lot on that hype from season one of the walking yeah. dead, you know, on telltale and just how great they could take a comic book world and make it realized in this game mode that you could actually experience. And so they really capitalized on that and that made, and they just did an incredible job. It's a really well played game. And if you have not played it, please play it. Yep. All right. Moving on, game number 65, New Super Mario Bros. Wii. Um, Otherwise known as the divorce game. (laughs) (laughs) Pop my bubble, put me down. Why did you throw me off the cliff? (laughs) So this game is Mario, 2D Mario. Um, Came back with a great new art style that's a little bit tired now, but great at the time. And the thing about it was it allowed you to play a full Mario game with your friends, which is something we had never been able to do before, right? Yep, never. So it came with all of the highs and lows of that <laughs> well yeah because you can play four players through this entire game and the game was not designed to be played four players you can they give you that option but like playing through a single player is a great amazing experience but playing it four players completely flips everything on its head it becomes this crazy chaotic experience where people are dying left and right people aren't waiting for it to be oh someone hogged all the power-ups and nintendo like purposely kind of left it that way to get make it this crazy experience and the the final boss so fight fun. is one of the best boss fights of any Mario game. Like it's just a giant, like screen filling Bowser fight as you're just constantly running away and you're just dropping like flies with everyone. And yeah, just overall, just an amazing game. Great co-op experience and made a lot of frenemies in this game. So moving on game number 64 is not a Nintendo 64 game, but close super monkey ball for the, uh, uh, GameCube is where I played it, and uh, this game is super cool because it's basically like a platformer, but it's almost kind of like a puzzle game because you're playing as these bizarre little monkeys in these like plastic balls, and you basically are tilting the course to move them through very narrow passageways, go off ramps at right speed, and just trying to get to the goal at the end. And then it also had a lot of fun party modes where you could do like monkey like boxing, a monkey target where you like flew through the air and would land on giant targets in the ocean and had a lot of other fun things to do. I just remember I just played like the crap out of this game with my brothers when it first came out on GameCube. We just, it was so unique and still there's not really any games like this. It's kind of like, I, I guess a modern day Marvel madness almost, but a uh, really cool game. And this, sadly the series kind of did a bunch of spinoffs teetered and teetered there. off and haven't seen it ever again, but I the would original pay two good games money to have this game back. I'd pay good money to have this game back. Yeah, no, I'd love to see it. It was just so fun. It was super fun to challenge your friends. You know, if you could had you and a friend just sitting in your rooms just trying to see who could beat each other's yeah. scores or just times. Just speed or, runs of levels even. Or even like the some of the mini games they had were super fun. Yeah. So HD uh, remaster collection for Switch, please, Sega. Thank you. Um, yep. Moving on, game number 63, Star Wars The Force Unleashed. So oh, Nathan, I know we all really play this one a lot, but why did you like this game? I love this game because I remember seeing trailers for this before this game came out and it was like feel the power of the Force. Basically, this makes this game will make you feel like an actual Jedi or Sith. And it was the first Star Wars game that I really truly felt like that. It had so many different cool powers with Force Push and Force Lightning. It had a really neat upgradable skill tree at a time when those weren't super common. 
there were all these different powers you could unlock and the story was super interesting too like i loved playing yeah. through and being the apprentice of darth mm -hmm. vader and getting to kind of choose um who you went after and then yeah. how... well this was like a lucas george lucas sanctioned like canon story that took yes. place between three and four it shows how basically the rebellion rose you know since then you know when disney's remade everything it's not technically canon anymore but it did a really cool job of filling in all these gaps in these interesting ways and showing oh wow Darth Vader almost did betray the Emperor and didn't really like working for him and all these crazy other things happened. So totally really engaging story and having really fun gameplay as well. Like you can just pick up a stormtrooper and like, torture him and then you know chuck him into a TIE fire that explodes and you know kills a bunch of other stormtroopers. So just give it was me a the lot thing. of fun it was powers. the fit it was a game of physics based combat in a time period where physics based combat was not popular or anything that you did. Yeah. It kind of started that revolution, which is super fun. I will say this is probably one of the hardest games I've ever beaten on hard mode. Like I went all the way through the expert mode in this game and it was one of the toughest things I ever did. But I did it. Pulling down that, that uh, <laughs> got the trophy. Star Destroyer was probably evil. Yes. Oh my gosh. Took like oh an hour. Um, moving forward, game number sixty-two, WarioWare Inc. Mega Micro Games. Um, this WarioWare game basically took all the mini game or micro games from the original Game Boy Advance WarioWare, bundled them into this GameCube version, and then also threw in about eight or nine different multiplayer, up to four-player uh, mini game modes added like new games that you could play with four players and remix old ones and had different challenges that were randomized and just totally off the wall um there was even like a 16 player mode where you would like pass off the gamecube controller to other people in the room and they would quickly do a challenge and you'd all be like spawning us like crazy like men in tights like flying off into the air just totally over the top ridiculous i can't tell you how many times i've gotten trouble for my parents playing this game as a kid because we were all just laughing so hard waking everyone up in the house so just one of the best party games and just a great example of how nintendo can do weird japanese you know micro game stuff so yeah good game lots of fun uh moving on game number 61 stardew valley Woo! so stardew valley <laughs> you never played it it's a farming sim that is much more than that it's uh obviously kind of a recreation of the harvest moon game on the super nintendo but it's so much deeper than any harvest moon game i ever played because in addition to all of the crop and farming abilities there's also so many different relationships you can pursue there's mining and a little bit of combat as you go into the mines and uh there's also there's just tons of progression yeah there's so much progression you're everything you do um is progressing your character and your farm and your town in one way or another and it's has it's the one of the most addicting games i've ever played because you're like focused on one goal for the day and then it has an energy system and so you start to run out of energy and you're like all right i'm gonna go to bed <laughs> and it, the game only saves after you play a full day and so you're like oh, i should probably stop but there's just this, this one more thing let me go I check to on do. it real yeah quick. <laughs> let me go do this fishing challenge or whatever it is and you start doing that and they're like okay i might as well finish my day and you get into something else and yeah, and it's such a great game, too, because it was made by one person, which blows my mind. Yeah, super crazy. The accomplishment of that game and just what an amazing and well-made gameplay loop uh, that that game has. So Yeah. Um, and it's pretty I mean, much it's everything. It's super relaxing. Yeah, it's it's really funny. It's really accessible to anyone. So yes. Moving on, game number 60, The Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker. So Wind Waker, uh, probably... This is probably my favorite game, Zelda game of all time, if I had to choose one right now. Really? Yes. I love the uh, story, the 
you know, f capt or saving your sister. The aesthetic of this game is so cute. Like, I love exploring the ocean, uh, especially with the HD. When Wind Waker HD came out, and it kind of sp sped up travel and ship stuff and all of that. Made it a lot more even accessible and even funner. And then it has, like, the perfect balance of more fun, silly characters and great art style, along with enough dungeons where it didn't feel like too much, but there was still a lot of, like, exploration, hidden collectibles. Each square of the map had a different island with a different challenge waiting for you uh and so it felt really rewarding to explore cool all right no one else likes Wind Waker. i love wind waker it's a great game I haven't, I haven't played enough of it to really be like this is great what i did play of it was really enjoyable and i really love the art style and i really love the sailing part because pirates rob makes sense anything with sailing Pir anything rob with will be pirates there. rob's in but exactly. all right I, moving I, on this game is number, one i'd love to play more of game number 59 assassin's creed 2 so this is the kind of the the assassin's creed game that actually made the series really good yeah. uh after the first one which had a lot of repetitiveness the second one really just made us actually love the hero, enjoy his story. The combat felt more fluid. The movements were all made better. Everything about it was just better than the first one. And the story was so interesting. And it was continued on through uh, Revelations and uh, Brotherhood, you know, which makes it really worth you know interesting this character is actually worthwhile following him for a few more games so i loved it it's one of the, my top assassin's creed games yeah ever. it's just a, a great example of a sequel that took everything from the original expanded on it made basically every single thing about that game better from the music to the gameplay to progression to the world. combat the world everything was just a little bit a little bit better more improved and this is i think my favorite assassin's creed game um, I just remember really, really loving it at the time. So, yeah, Assassin's yep. Creed 2. Um, moving on, number 58, Star Fox 64. This game, I think, deserves a spot on our list, guys, just because if I could say, like, any of the lines in this game, you guys know what I'm talking it's about. very like, quotable. Do a barrel roll, or try a U-turn, or you'll never defeat Andros. Just so many great <laughs> one-liners in this game. Um, and just really the charm, like in this game just hasn't really ever been able to be replicated. They've made other Star Fox games and stuff, but like this game still just is Everyone really the high saying, point of the franchise. Just make Nintendo's or Star Fox 64 again. And then they tried and were like, no, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really the only attempt that they've made that's come close to this is Star Fox 64 3d, which is just pretty much a port like yeah. with better graphics and stuff. So High point of the Star if Fox franchise. Broke, don't fix it. Really real playable because this was one of the first games I know I played that really let you kind of choose your path. Like you could go any you know direction of planets, and so every single time you'd run through the game, which was only about an hour and a half or so to run through the whole game, um, every time you ran through the game, you could choose different paths and different missions, and there were secrets to find and medals to unlock. Um, so it always kind of you know changed up the way you play, and it also had a pretty fun multiplayer mode that I, I enjoyed playing um, growing up it's as true. well. So, Star Fox sixty four, um, great game. Moving on, number fifty seven, we have Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. This um, originally came out in the Wii U. Now it's been ported over to the Switch with new Funky Kong mode. <laughs> but uh, this game, I think, just is one of the best design, like really gameplay. Otherwise, in level designs, games I've ever played, just because every level really took every single part of that level into the way that it played. So, like, 
things in the background would like all come in. Like this wasn't like Mario where you have like floating blocks that you jump on throughout a level. Like every platform was, you know, a branch coming off of a tree or, um, you know, a piece of a structure that was built out or a leaf that was blowing through the air. And so the world just was so filled with all these different interactive things and every level felt totally unique and different. And, um, just a beautiful game. One of my favorite video game soundtracks as well. And I really, you guys know, I, I this is just one of my all time favorite games. Like this game, just it everyone has, should like, play. One of the best art styles I've ever seen, because it goes from the jungle, obviously to like frozen kind of frozen land. And then it has that Africa themed world. Yeah, like a Savannah where it's all world. like paint, almost like painterly or something like that. And, through all of that, the game continues to look incredible and beautiful. Yeah, like it, it, it doesn't just copy and paste, you know, the same art style through the whole world, yeah. like the original Donkey Kong Country games did. Like every level is very unique and different, has different music and elements. So just just a real treat to play. So um, moving on, game number fifty six, Roller Coaster Tycoon. So as far as the world of simulation games or, you know, kind of construct your own park and world goes, this was by far one of my favorites uh, because you literally got handed the keys to a roller coaster park. You could build your park. own rides. They had prepackaged rides. They had like merry-go-rounds and all the, the, the really simple stuff you would find at a normal park. But it just was so much fun to just build your own and then get really cruel. <laughs> like build rides that you knew were going to blow up, trap people in small areas where, you know, so you could build up your numbers to the park and let your satisfaction rating go down. It just was super fun. You always had a goal to every park and you even got some real world parks. They were just, it was just super fun to just try and cre- either be really good and create the best roller coaster yeah. park you could <laughs> e- ever possibly imagine or just cause utter annihilation well i had a lot of freedom it gave gave me a lot of options of things to do and um i just my only like negative memory of this game because this is probably my favorite sim game ever but i remember i would spend like hours designing these amazing roller coasters i'm this because i'm like a total like in real life like a thrill seeker i love big roller coasters i just these amazing roller coasters all these thrills and turns and then i'd open it up go all right here we go gonna make all that money and every single customer would just go ah that looks too intense for me and not a single customer would ride them so i always felt gypped off but uh hey, it's a real sim game then not everyone's crazy it is, crazy it is. people would puke all over your park and you know. yep. yeah great game still holds up today um Game number 55, Beyond Good and Evil. Um, this is the original Beyond Good and Evil uh, by Ubisoft. And we talked a little bit even last week um, on the show. And this game was just so great because it had such an engaging and interesting world where it was filled with basically, you know, animal characters. But they acted like, you know, human characters. Uh, really good voice acting, interesting story. You're uncovering a conspiracy theory. Um, pretty good combat gameplay. It was the world it was almost similar to Zelda where you were kind of going on different missions and quests and almost kind of like mini dungeons and stuff and um, progressing the world, you know, getting power-ups and stuff. So I know, this Nathan, you the, like this game yeah, too. Yeah, I like this game a lot. The This was the first time I really had seen a game you have like camera or photo mechanics because you could yeah. pull out your camera and take pictures of certain things. And, and I think there's a lot of games that have kind of copied that or at least added that in with Photoshop and screenshot mode <laughs> and stuff like that. So I think yep. it was very influential in that. And it's a cult classic. Yes. So, excited to get that sequel in 10 years. Um, number 54, Mario Party 3 for the N64. 
So this, out of all the Mario Party games, I think was my favorite. Yeah, same Mostly here. because the maps were all themed. Mm-hmm. Like you had you had the normal characters you could play with your friends. There were all the mini games, which were super fun. Probably the best package of mini games out there. But all the maps were a different theme, mm. and it just made it so much more fun. Like yeah. pirates and, and the cool cowboys. Thing about this one too, it also had a uh, dual mode, and so basically, this was only in this Mario Party. It's never returned in any other game. But you could do like a one v one. Uh, dual mode where you would get like different Mario buddies like Chain Chomps and Shy Guys and Boos and you would kind of fight off around the small board and do mini games and uh, use buddies to attack other players so had a really interesting mode there too and also had some single player stuff and I think the Eats a Pizza mini game and Toadstool Titan like I still remember the name of so many of these mini games some of the best in the series really so, so fun Yep, so, so if you're looking great. for a good Mario Party game, definitely check out Mario Party 3. I think that's the, the high point, we agree, on the series. Uh, moving on, number 53, we have Soul Calibur 2. This was the Soul Calibur that kind of was introduced everywhere. The first one was on the Dreamcast. Dreamcast <laughs> and then Soul Calibur 2 came to everything, GameCube, PlayStation 2, Xbox. And it, this was the first 3D like arena fighter I'd played, so it was really unique at the time. Mm-hmm. And there were so many different characters. Each different version had a different character. So obviously Exclusive, yeah. GameCube was the best because I had Link and you could just cheat and throw bombs and arrows at <laughs> other people from across the He was the very map. overpowered. Yes. Uh, it was great. But it was so much fun. And there's so much customization in these in these games as well. So I just thought it was really unique at the time. Yeah, no, it, it still holds up like mechanically too. It just is a really, really solid fighting game. Like you could... Have anyone play, and it's pretty accessible too for people who yeah, haven't you, really played it before. You can kind of just spam and ha- have fun as well if you don't have any experience. Totally. <laughs> so one of the one of the, I think that's the probably the highlight of the Soul Calibur franchise for sure. Soul Calibur two as well. Um, moving ahead, game number fifty two, Super Mario Bros. the the original that started it all. Here we are, one hundred Mario games later, <laughs> but Super Mario Bros. Well, I guess. Technically, it was the second Mario game. Mario Bros. Arcade came out first. But this was the first Mario platformer which came out for the NES. And basically, took the world by storm just with, you know, you, you guys know how great this game is. It just uh, had amazing level design, so many secrets hidden within every level. There was little tips and tricks and warp zones and secrets that, you know, made, oh, did you know about this secret? Oh, did you know about this find to go to a secret world? Um, and just really solid pixel perfect platforming that you know hundreds of games thousands of games have tried to emulate since then and um, may have given us what may be the most memorable video game theme of all time <laughs> as it well was, it was it's just iconic everything about games. this game yeah yeah it saved video games after the video game crash and people started believing in home consoles and here we are we wouldn't have any of the systems we had today if this game probably never got released so yeah. Mr. Miyamoto's second big hit after Donkey Kong um, it's, moving on it's iconic Yes, <laughs> our last game in our, uh, before we get into our top 50, game number 51, uh, the PC game Mist. So this one, being a first-person perspective, click-and-point type game where you're exploring a world, it had incredible graphics for the time. It had real live actors that were part of the story and made got you invested. It had just probably the most iconic part of the game missed the most incredibly difficult puzzles 
imaginable. Um, <laughs> That's my games like, this game. Anytime I played it, I was like, just get stumped. Games like The Witness and any of these, you know, focused type puzzle games, all are trying to emulate that original magic that Mist captured. And it just was so hard and so fun. And it actually was like, it was like a challenge to try and beat it. And if you ever played it, you know what I'm talking about. Your own personal notebook sitting by your computer filled with <laughs> every single puzzle solution or note or like, oh, I think this might be important. So you jot it down. Yes, it was a, it was a puzzle game that featured the entire world Would instead, be on, of, instead yeah. of just like the screen that was in front of you. All right, moving on. Game number 50, Banjo... Kazooie. <laughs> not Banjo so like, No, the original. <laughs> not Nuts and Bolts. Banjo Kazooie. So this one was really great because what it did was in a in an age where 3D platformers were starting to become big, we had Super Mario 64, we had Donkey Kong 64. Uh, it came into this world and brought us these new characters that we had never seen before that were just hilarious. They were funny. They were all sassy and sarcastic throughout the story. Cheesy the British world. puns throughout the, all the writing. <laughs> yeah, the worlds and the platforming were just super incredible. The platforming was very difficult, but extremely rewarding and satisfying when you actually accomplish things. The story was pretty straightforward. You know, you're trying to save your sister, but it still had incredible elements. One hey, of the most the iconic story made me Witty writing had, and humor. Yeah, I had one of the the weirdest game at over screens ever like if you lost your sister would literally get transformed into an ugly like brute and then like the witch would like be transformed into like a beautiful like woman <laughs> it was like what is happening i've let my sister turn into an ogre this is so weird <laughs> and it was just... great it just was such a fun game yeah. so funny yeah and every every world had like a new power up that like expanded banjo kazooie's arsenal and just having a bear and a bird with two completely different personalities work together and the bird is literally in the backpack and is pretty much carrying around a bird or the bear yeah and being super sassy all the time so just really really good one of the best duos in gaming for sure banjo kazooie so moving on game number 49 this is shovel knight um this is of course any game that came out in 2014 and basically this the, the thing I just appreciate about this game is this game could essentially run on like an original NES. Like they purposely limited themselves to use only certain amount of pixels, certain amount of like screen space and memory and stuff to basically make this true to eighties NES action adventure games. So this is, you know, a love letter to the Mega Man games, Castlevania, uh, DuckTales, like, Super Mario Bros., all these old, you know, platforming and adventure games from the 80s. It just takes all those things we love and remember from those games and makes it better and makes it feel like it did back then. But it's actually better and, like, more polished and makes more sense, you know, in today's gaming culture. But still, you know, it retains that um, feel and nostalgia and difficulty of that that era. So just a really well-made game. And they've continued to support it with lots of expansions as well that, you know, it's kind of branched off on different ideas but mm-hmm. just still i think one of the best indie games of all time is uh shovel knight so that's game number 49 uh number 48 star wars battlefront 2 no not the new ea one the original star wars battlefront 2 um 2005 yes 2005 came on xbox and ps2 and pc um this game is so amazing 
This game is great because it took everything that the original Star Wars Battlefront did and added in new maps. Uh, I, I guess the More original had, had multiplayer like on PC and stuff like that, but I only played it on console. And so being able to play online multiplayer was really cool. Each of the um, each of the different more there were more classes. You talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's there more fighters. There was lots of different single player modes. There was like a like Galactic, Galactic Conquest. Galactic could, Conquest. You know, choose like what planet you wanted to invade, and that had hero battles for the first time. So you could like oh, yeah, fight right. as Darth Maul against Luke Skywalker or. Boba Fett against Yoda and stuff like that. So you could just have these giant, crazy hero battles. And there was like Ewok battles and Wookiee battles. And just the, the number of maps, like every single Star Wars world from like all six original movies were like was like featured in this game in some way. So just a staggering amount of content and replayability and progression in this game. So still still really fun to play today. So mm-hmm. definitely, definitely uh, play that if you've never done it. Um, some of the best... Uh, space spaceship flying combat as well. Um, so moving on, game that many people are very familiar with. Uh, game number forty-seven is Street Fighter Two. This is you know one of the greatest fighting games of all time, and really took you know fighting games as kind of the new thing to play in arcades. You know, fighting games were never really that popular in arcades until Street Fighter Two came out, and it became, hey, you know, who can defeat? You know who at Street Fighter you were constantly trying to find ways and characters to counter um you know your rival's favorite character there was all these manual inputs and different commands you kind of had to memorize as you played so it had a really high skill ceiling and just really introduced a lot of mechanics like hit stun and you know uh, combos and stuff that have been pretty much standard in almost every fighting game since then and amazing soundtrack great art style memorable it characters. almost like single-handedly saved arcades too because it came out first in arcade only and so you had to go to the arcade to play this yeah. and playing for hour like for an hour if you were doing really well and just kept beating competitor after competitor who challenged you felt really well yeah well. one of the most rewarding experiences in gaming and you know you know this game's good when Capcom has like remade it and ported it like 15 times. <laughs> like they will yeah. forever iterate on this game because it was, you know, their their, you know, their magic baby. So um number 46, Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic. I know Rob, you really like this one as a big RPG guy. So this was everything Star Wars and everything RPG in this beautiful, incredible wedding of this <laughs> amazingness. I mean, like, literally, the the combat was super fun. It was kind of the, you could, you know, uh, task a couple of next moves that you were going to do and, and do them in that order. You could just go free for all and just jump right in. You had special powers you could use. The story was incredible. This is what Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3, like that beautiful, incredible story we have there. That originated from Bioware and yeah, what they like did. What put in Bioware this on the map, world. right? Yeah, exactly. So Star Wars Knights of the Republic is just incredible gameplay, incredible story, incredible customization of your character, your powers, your Jedi powers, everything. It just made you feel like a Jedi. And it's set thousands of years before episode one. So it was in a yeah, world of Star Wars that no one had seen before. Yeah, that was, in my opinion, that was the best part of it was just the world building that Bioware did with it and being set in a place that Star Wars had never really explored before, like way before anything we had seen. Um, and 
so it gave them a ton of creative freedom to do whatever they wanted to do with their characters, their worlds, and uh, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. So moving ahead, we have number 45, the uh, Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor. Um, this is another Lord of the Rings game. And this game basically was the perfect fusion of like a 3D action adventure, modern open world game, throwing Lord of the Rings, finally give us like a full on like, you know, mature, realistic Lord of the Rings game. You know? Fun. <laughs> that. Yeah. It just made a really fun, engaging combat. It took, you know, the combat from uh, the Batman Arkham Asylum games and threw it in with Assassin's Creed climbing and all these other like, you know, things that had kind of become standard in other gaming franchises and meld it all into one really fun uh, story-based uh, action-adventure game. So just a lot to do. I, I 100%ed this game. I, I absolutely love this game. It was really fun to explore. You could fight you know giant trolls and creatures, and it told a story that wasn't canon but was still interesting. It took place in the, the Middle-Earth lore. So. Yeah. And the, the Nemesis, this game introduced the yeah. nemesis, nemesis system. Excuse me. <laughs> And Easy for you to say. <laughs> the this system is. I'm surprised it hasn't made its way into more games. Like the way you would like maybe fight an orc, and then they would remember he you like ran you, away or something. Yeah. Like he got away, and they'd remember you, and then he'd he'd increase because he had fought you and lived, and so he'd get maybe become an orc captain yeah. or something like. And that. if you died and got a game over, the one that. Like, if there was an orc captain or an orc, like, slave that, like, beat you, he would be promoted to, like, general or captain. And, like, they would grow and the dialogue would change. And there was, like, always – every person's experience with the game was always a little different because yeah. of how much uh, that game system made itself. So, mm-hmm. moving ahead, game number 44, another Bioware game, Dragon Age Origins. So, this was during the era of the Mass Effect world was starting to come into fruition, and we're starting to see, like, Bioware step out from the Star Wars world to another sci-fi world. We saw them step into the world of Fantasy Realm, and they created their own world, their own lore, and just all this great material gave you the ability to play as a female or male dwarf, elf, human uh either and you could play as a forest elf or as a slave elf or you could play as a um a royal rich human and that sort of thing like you had so many different backgrounds that you could play with and it just went through this whole storyline and created this whole world that was just absolutely incredible tell me about the dragons rob and there is basically only one dragon just kidding (laughs) there's a couple of dragons but for the most part, there's one big dragon that you're trying to defeat for the whole game and all of its armies and that Evil sort dragons. of thing. And this it's just, it's incredible. It's, <laughs> it's hey, a fun, I'm a trainer dragon. Maybe you believe there could be good dragons out there. Okay. <laughs> uh, moving on. Never. Game number 43, Telltale's The Walking Dead Season 1. This is the best Telltale game out there. Like their first really big game that put them on the map. Um, just the story of Lee and Clementine is still a story I remember so well today you know six seven years after playing it and it's just such a amazing heartwarming story and i know rob you really enjoyed this one as well i think we actually played a lot of this game together if i remember correctly we played a lot of it together i think i finished it after you had finished it so and someone spoiled the ending brian white (laughs) (laughs) but it was great story incredible characters and it really did take that comic book world and made it 
real to us. It made us want to be, we were in that story. We were creating it and crafting it as we went. We were making the tough decisions that you only saw as, you know, hearsay in the comics. You were making those decisions like who lives, who dies. And you just had so much gravity and you regretted Mm -hmm. every decision. And it was wonderful. There was just so many twists and surprises and reveals on around every turn. And like, they didn't disappoint. Like every time it happened, you're like, Oh my goodness. Oh wow. And like every episode we get even more and more and more like kind of over the top and crazy and dramatic. And like it built so well and the pacing was so well. And the ending was um, super memorable as well. So, yep. Um, moving ahead. Game number 42 is new super Mario bros. This was uh, basically the return to 2d for Mario it came out in the Nintendo DS. I think it was 2004 um, was the release year, which was, you know, a decade and a half since the last 2D Mario game, which was Super Mario World. And so something that Nintendo fans had really wanted for a while. And it really delivered with, you know, a new 2.5D art style, um, really, really good level design, new power-ups. Um, and then one thing I also, I think, was kind of underrated about this game was it had a Mario vs. Luigi multiplayer mode where you would kind of battle on short platforming levels together and you would try to get stars and fight. I remember playing this mode all the time as well as having about 30 different little Mario themed touchscreen mini games. And so you had all these different mini games to play as well. And they were all multiplayer. So you could play with a group of friends and um, just, there was a really a lot of content, a lot of things to do in this game, a lot of secrets and uh, fun things to find and just really a great return to 2d gaming uh, for the Mario series. Uh, Moving ahead, game number 41 Assassin's Creed 4. This is uh, Black Flag, right, Rob? This is Black Flag. And honestly, this is my all-time favorite Assassin's Creed game ever. Um, Basically, I will say there's a lot less assassins in this game and a lot more pirates, which actually worked in their favor. (laughs) Um, Just the fact that what it did is it took a little thing in Assassin's Creed 3, the ship sailing and ship combat, and made it the main thing you did was an incredible decision and the fact that you got a boat you built up your ship you could make it more powerful and that sort of thing and then you just sailed around the caribbean fighting off other ships being a pirate conquering things doing everything pirates do getting drunk yo-ho running with a sword having multiple swords and all these guns and everything the combat was super fun and satisfying the uh parkour was just really smooth I, and just getting to see, I think my favorite part beyond all that was getting to see all these real life pirates in the game, like the historical part, Blackbeard, like historical, like Blackbeard and and Bonnie and you know Jack uh, Rackham and like all these things and people that you just you read about in stories or you heard about in legends and stuff, but yeah. you got to meet them face to face in this game, and that was super cool to me. Well, and it was a breath of fresh air for the franchise. Like I feel like. It really was, yeah. Franchise had kind of gotten stale. They tried to mix it up with Assassin's Creed Three, and it didn't really work because the story was so the intro was so long that no one got through that part. (laughs) And so, uh, putting you in a completely different setting that we'd never really seen before, and like you said, adding on to that ship combat was really neat. Yep. So, Assassin's Creed Four, great game. Moving ahead, game number forty, the Banner Saga. So this one's pretty recent in my mind, and I what I love about this series is that it crafts this incredible world, like Norse mythology-based, with their own races and creatures and everything, and it was basically a caravan-type game. 
So as a caravan, you're traveling along the road, you have to manage resources and morale and that sort of thing. But at the same time, you're also doing turn-based strategic, like Fire Emblem style is it like, combat. Is it like the gameplay or like the story? Like what is the best part? Because from what I can tell, the, it looks like the art is like amazing in this the game. The art is probably, the art and the music are probably like, if you go away from this with nothing but that, you are better off in your life. The combat is super fun. It's really challenging. You know, you actually have to think through some strategy of like, if I put this unit here versus this one, and then, you know, this one versus this one, maybe that will work out and balance each other out. So you actually have to think through that as well as the story is actually really intriguing. And the third one's coming out this summer and I pre-ordered it. That's how invested in the story I am. Pre-order a game? So Uh, there you go. That is is the the hot take. Number 39. (laughs) Overcooked. Woo! <laughs> Guys, Overcooked is like one of the most unique and original multiplayer concepts of all time, in my opinion. The reason is oh, yeah. because it's such a simple concept where you're just cooking food, you're doing simple tasks, but when you do it with two, three, four other players, it just introduces chaos into this world. I have played this game with <laughs> my sister, who doesn't play video games at all. I played it with my father-in-law, who... I think has played like an arcade game once and that's all. <laughs> and we had a ton of fun. Um, just, and he, he used to work at a, in a kitchen. He said, no, th- this is exactly what it's like working <laughs> in a kitchen. Like it's just crazy chaos. Everyone's shouting at each other, telling people to do different things. And it's so much fun. The, um, well, the story was like, whatever, but well, it scales really well too. Yeah. So like there the early levels, in there. <laughs> anyone can really play and progress. And as it goes on, you have to really hone your skills because it really starts to challenge you. Like, I, I'm still stuck mm-hmm. on the final boss. Like, I was playing it last night with my wife, and it's so hard to... You have to, like, really... have your timing and coordination down perfect exactly. to, to Exactly. And so you have to kind of replay some levels to kind of figure, okay, what's the best way to do this and strategize and communicate? So just yeah. really, really cool concept. Glad that the sequel is coming out in a couple months. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Uh, moving ahead, game number 38, Left for Dead 2. So Left 4 Dead 1 was super great, and Left 4 Dead 2 took everything that made that one great and made it even better. There were more unique versions of the zombies. The characters were pretty fun, but we never played Left 4 Dead for the characters, really. <laughs> but the the best part about Left 4 Dead 2 is the fact that you could play as a group. You could have four people playing yeah, together. Play. And you were, I mean, it's not quite as chaotic as Overcooked necessarily, although it could get quite that chaotic. You know, you're like screaming at each other and yelling at each other and stuff. It just made it really fun to play through a zombie apocalypse with your friends. Yeah, well, it forced you, know? you to watch each other's backs because most of the special zombies that were more powerful would basically sneak in, up on in, you, incapacitate, you, you know, one of your team members. And so you had to really go, oh, there's nothing I can do. I cannot defeat this guy until someone comes and helps me. And you're managing resources and moving together mm-hmm. as a group. And just a really, really awesome co-op experience um, that uh, was really, really fun. Uh, yep. Moving ahead, Super Mario Galaxy 2. Woo. Super Mario Galaxy 2. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> one of the best Mario platforming games of all time. It has such perfect like 3D platforming where... There's so many different challenges. It has such creative ideas. They This game was only made because the creators finished Super Mario Galaxy 1 and were like, oh, crap, we still have like all of these different ideas for different costumes and power-ups and levels we wanted to do that we didn't get to put in the game. Let's make another full game. <laughs> exactly. 
and the music is amazing and this game has like more content than almost any yeah. other mario game the, right? no the orchestrated music was amazing but yeah after you beat like the whole main game it basically went back through each world and added three green stars into every world which i think there's over like 30 something worlds in this game or 30 or 40 worlds and so you're having to go back through every world and kind of really explore each corner and you're familiar with most of it but you're kind of finding new areas finding more stars um there was new power-ups you could transform into like a, a boo into like a rock and different things and you could finally play yoshi in a 3d game like mario sunshine gave you a little bit of yoshi like in a certain area but this was the first time you could really ride yoshi and go through entire levels and use <laughs> his tongue and power-ups in a 3d space and that's never really been done since then so uh props to it for doing that as well yep um splatoon 2 number number 36 um amazing game we, we put this on the list over splatoon 1 uh because why nathan because I f- we feel like it improved upon everything the original Splatoon did. It added a new really fun co-op mode called... Salmon Run. I love Salmon Run. Yes. It's <laughs> one of my favorite things in this game. And it pretty at this point, it's brought back almost all of the original levels from the Splatoon mm-hmm. 1, the same character and weapons and stuff like that. Yeah, but great, great continual updates. The high point of this game is Nintendo finally created a shooter. And it's the most Nintendo thing ever because you're shooting paint, you can... You know, you just you don't have to get any kills to win this game. Like that doesn't yeah. affect the standing at all. It's just trying to cover everything in paint. And yes, killing other people helps that, but you don't have to be good at that to enjoy yeah. the and game. And there's like a super deep strategic and competitive level to Splatoon, like where if you go into rank batters, you're gonna get like wrecked by just crazy yes. players. But at the same time, like I can hand this controller to my sister or someone and they can play it and it's really fun and easy for anyone to watch and enjoy playing. And I think Splatoon two as well just made it a lot more polished and the game looked a lot better and just had a lot more um, content and things in there to do too and the Splatfest are some of the coolest online events of any game as well um so moving ahead number 35 mario kart 64 let's go <laughs> um one of the well not the first mario kart it was actually the second it was the one that just made it so much fun to play with your friends I think that's the one thing about Mario Kart 64 that stands out the most and what every single Mario Kart since then has tried to capitalize on. is just that you could play it with your friends. It was a couch mm-hmm. co-op game. There were races you could do. Uh, single player was pretty fun, and they had various levels of difficulty. They had incredible, a ton of maps yeah. for a 64 it, game. And had time they had and then the battle mode they had what I really Incredible multiplayer mode, battle mode, where you literally went up against your friends. You had balloons. You had to try and destroy each other, and I have lost many friends <laughs> over battle mode in Mario Kart 64. Well, it's the perfect mix of chance and skill with battle mode because you're getting literally a random item from the block, so it could just be banana peel every time, which isn't that helpful. But if you're good enough, you can make a banana peel really useful if you put it in the right spot. Um, and so it just was really this really fun mix that really um, was fun for lots of people, and it just made it so replayable. You know, how many times have we played in our lifetime? You know, battle mode in Mario Kart sixty four. I've played within hundreds the last of thousands three of times, right? <laughs> so, uh, great, great choice there. Um, moving ahead, number thirty four, The Legend of Zelda, self titled, <laughs> the, the, the original game, the game that started the entire series. I have, I think we put this game on the list just because it's so iconic and it you know it spawned such an amazing series of video games i've never actually beaten this game it's very hard yeah 
And the but fact it, that you could do different done, it didn't it didn't tell you anything about where to go. Yes, it was such a big and hard game that it had these save spots, uh, battery powered save in the cartridge. Yeah. You didn't which, have to enter a thirty character. Yeah, password. exactly. <laughs> most most games didn't have that uh, during the NES era, and so as soon as you start up, you knew, oh my goodness, this is going to be a multiple hour adventure. Mm-hmm. And it didn't really give you any instructions; just kind of dropped you in the world, said, "Go explore, yeah. find what you can find." And the crazy thing is, you know, Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, you know one of the greatest games of this current generation, like it's that same game design. Like yeah. it drops you in the world. You go Just and 3D. find things and do things in any order. And you discover the world at your own pace. And it's going to be really hard at times. Like it's that same design that was made back in 1985 with Legend of Zelda. Yep. So I think what the best part about this game is that not only was it such an iconic game to begin with, it is so replayable today. Like, you can go back today and play it, and it still feels fresh, fun, and enjoyable. Yeah, and you still remember, like, everything from when you first played it. Like, it's very memorable, yeah. for sure. Um, so, moving ahead. Game number 33. I think a game that was maybe kind of inspired by the Zelda series. Uh, the original Fable game for Xbox. So, this game was just that fantasy, like, almost realistic fantasy, but not quite. It had enough of the the kind of magical realm world that you're like, oh, okay, we're still in magic and all that stuff, but gave you a sword, gave you a gameplay of essentially you could be good or you could be evil. And, I mean, it was such a fun game to play. I remember putting so many hours into this game and playing through it multiple times because you'd play through it the first time and maybe make all these really great decisions and be really good and what well, had you know, the morality really system helpful. that was really cool at the time. And then go back through it and play as this most horrendous evil person and hack civilians to death and just feel really good about it. Yeah, <laughs> have the demon horns. <laughs> yeah, and yep. it just was a good action RPG. You know, it had a lot of RPG elements, but it was still. Um, fun to do combat and do the action stuff yeah it was a fun fast-paced combat it was really unique on the original xbox as well like there was no other game really like this on the xbox Mm -hmm, for sure um so i know we are going a little long on today's episode do we want to kind of maybe stop at 30 and save the top 30 for next week what do you guys think yeah we could do that down we can do that that sounds All right, good, sounds good. <laughs> so next week might be uh, already a little bit of a long episode so we will hit you up with game number 32 and 31 here and then we will close out today's show so thanks so much for those of you still listening i know a lot of games to go through here hopefully uh you're enjoying uh, our list here but game number 32 <clears throat> a game that is near and dear to my heart donkey kong country 2 for the super nintendo this game you know perfect sequel like we've talked about took everything from the original donkey Kong country improved on it changed things you're actually saving donkey kong in the story um everything in the world is kind of pirate themed well i guess, guess not everything but the first world is all pirate themed then um had lots of different new enemies that I introduced just really really amazing platforming amazing atmospheric music and at the time their art style and graphics like the 3d rendered characters in the 2d world was you know mind-blowing just I remember telling my friends oh you won't believe how amazing this game looks um, and it's still just very replayable, tons of hidden secrets. There's actually two different endings to this game. One of them you can only get if you collect every creme coin and beat the five ultra challenge what? hidden world levels. Have you ever done this? <laughs> what? Yes. No, there's okay. two totally different games. So there's just the main way of beating all the worlds. But if you find all the hidden creme coins, you unlock these crazy hard levels. If you beat all of them, it gives you a different boss fight and a different ending. So just really, really cool depth and lots of fun collectibles to find and 
what I liked about this game was I think there's 80 something creme coins to find and every single one was a different um, little bonus challenge. So like 80 different mini games. And this one you got to play as Diddy Kong, right? Yeah, Diddy Kong. It was actually called Donkey Kong Country 2 Diddy's Conquest. Which was just the best character in the whole Donkey Kong world anyways. Yeah, for sure. And it introduced Dixie Kong who was his uh, girlfriend at the time and she could float through the air with her hair and it was uh, made a game... You know, it was a good character for someone who wasn't as familiar with the game to play as. But amazing game. Still holds up really well. Some of the best 16-bit music ever as well. So mm-hmm. moving on. Number 31, Super Mario Odyssey. Um, I mean, what what else do I have to say other than the New Donk City? Like, if you've played Mario Odyssey, you've done New Donk City. You've seen how amazing that city is. All the Donkey Kong references. And then to cap it off with a old-school 2D Mario fighting the original Donkey Kong with the barrels to the jump up superstar theme. Like that was one of my favorite, like all time gaming moments, like ever. Um, this game just had really neat transformations, huge sandboxes in 3d for Mario to explore. And also had lots of really fun, cool 2d stuff to explore as well. And just over 900 different moons to collect, just tons of tons of, uh, content in this game. Yeah. And lots of just was a new take on Mario was like the banjo Kazooie take of Mario because, all of the moons were so collectible. Mm-hmm. Instead of going through one level and looking for one moon, you were going through every level and like, you would hey, I found this moon. Paths, and then I yeah. just did a butt stomp here and look, another moon popped out. So it was really, really rewarding and super accessible. Like you said, like you're a f- probably like a five-year-old could play through and almost beat yeah. this game if they wanted to. But then if you wanted a, a real challenge, challenge starts after that. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So awesome. Amazing game. Um, if you have a Switch, you probably already own this game. It's like 11 million copies. But anyways, that is, I think, going to be where we're going to call it for today. Next week, episode 100, we will hit you with our top 30 games of all time. But that's not all. We'll also be giving away a ton of games. Um, I will say we are giving two pretty big AAA games out, which we've never really done on the show before. And so one game we'll be giving out will be a PS4 copy of destiny 2 uh, we have a physical copy we're going to be giving out um, one of my favorite ps4 games as well as dark souls 3 um, on steam as well so if you are interested in either of those games or maybe a myriad of other indie games we'll also be giving out as well be sure to check us out on twitter you don't have to have a twitter account necessarily but you do need to check it out on twitter find out how you can enter We'll have the instructions on there um, on this Wednesday. So we'll be giving and where those can you shows find us? live next week. You can find us on Twitter at HeyListen underscore games. Any other hype you guys have to get people tuned in next week? <laughs> I mean, it's going to be the top 30 games, our personal top 30 games. So you don't want to miss it. Here are our hot takes on why your game didn't make it. <laughs> also, I will argue that um, which game? I'm going to argue Wind Waker should have been the top 30. I'm going to hype and rage against that. (laughs) All right. Well, definitely look forward to that next week. We will leave you with the still alive theme from Portal. Have a great week, everyone. We will see you next week for episode 100. See ya. This was a triumph. I'm making a note here. Huge success. It's hard to overstate my satisfaction Aperture science We do what we must because we can 
Except the ones who are dead But there's no sense crying over every mistake You just keep on trying till you run out of cake And the science gets done and you make a neat plan For the people who are still alive I'm not even angry I'm being so Peace.